friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So, Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm the Reading Bug, and today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures is supported by Familius, publishers of creative award-winning books for kids and grown-ups, like The Little Eye Who Lost His Dot, teaching capitalization in a fun and adorable way, just in time for the start of the school year. Get it at thereadingbug.com or your local independent bookstore. Familius, helping families be happy. Hello, reader. Welcome to Season 2 of Reading Bug Adventures, created, written, and produced by The Reading Bug, our family-owned children's bookstore. You can learn all about us, our store, and our favorite books by visiting thereadingbug.com. And if our adventures get you excited about reading new books, be sure to visit readingbugbox.com, the very best monthly book subscription for kids. Reading Bug Box delivers great books to your doorstep every month, handpicked by me and the rest of our staff, and perfectly matched to your interests and reading level. We've been hard at work all summer, and we've got a season full of incredible adventures planned for you. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. But before we begin our adventure today, I'd like to say a special thank you to James from Virginia. You're part of what makes it possible for us to continue to write, perform, and produce new original stories and music. If you'd like to support Reading Bug Adventures too, sign up at patreon.com. By becoming a patron, you can get access to music downloads, exclusive content, gifts, and more. Thank you so much for your support. Okay, reader, are you ready to start a whole new season of Reading Bug Adventures? Then what are we waiting for? Let's fly! It's time for a brand new Reading Bug Adventure. It's a Reading Bug Adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip. reader. It's great to see you again. Thanks for joining me here today. I don't know where the reading bug is or what she's up to, but she asked us to join her right here at the University of Colorado Museum of Natural History. Look around at all the exhibits. Isn't it incredible in here? Shh. Oops. So sorry. I didn't mean to disturb you. Quite all right this time, but don't let it happen again. This is a museum and some of us are trying to work. Of course, of course. Sorry again. Reader, we'll need to be a little quieter than usual, it seems. This is a museum, after all. Can you believe this place? The dinosaur exhibit all around us is amazing. There are dinosaur fossils everywhere from many different kinds of dinosaurs. And just over there on our right are some giant dinosaur reconstructions. Those dinosaurs are not just bones. They've got skin, claws, and teeth, too. Those are some awfully big teeth. Yikes! And here's a whole room called Fossil Mysteries. Look, it's chock full of fossils, models, and murals. And it says here that this exhibit illustrates 
75 million years of dinosaurs, from the time dinosaurs first roamed the Earth through the Ice Age. Wow, 75 million years is a very long time. Oh, but remember, shh, we're still next to the quiet man who shushed us, and he's very busy with a table of small fossils in front of him. So let's try not to disturb him again. He's trying to fit all those fossils together like a complicated jigsaw puzzle, and it looks like he needs to really concentrate. Oh, and look, reader, coming up behind us is a large group of children. They look like they're on a field trip with their school. Listen, reader, if we're quiet, we may just be able to hear what their tour guide is saying. The word dinosaur means fearfully great lizard. Dinosaurs lived on Earth until about 65 million years ago. Here in our fossil mysteries room, our displays represent 75 million years of dinosaur life. But dinosaurs roamed this planet for more than 177 million years. By comparison, the first humans didn't appear until 200,000 years ago. That's why the age of the dinosaurs is called a prehistoric period, because there were no humans to write down the history. Wow, it's not every day you get to learn about dinosaurs at the Museum of Natural History, is it, reader? But I still don't know where the reading bug is, or why she asked us to meet her here. Lauren, reader, hi, I'm here. Thank you so much for meeting me at the museum. It's really great to see you. Shh. This is very delicate work. Sorry again, sir. We didn't mean to disturb your work, and we won't let it happen again. I'm sorry to be running a little late, but I hope you were able to see some of the amazing exhibits while you waited. Oh, hi, Reading Bug. Wonderful to see you, too. And yes, we have really been enjoying the exhibits. We just learned that dinosaurs lived on Earth a whole lot longer than people have. Thanks for suggesting we meet here. Perfect. That knowledge may prove to be useful today. You know, I'm absolutely thrilled to my bones about the dynamite adventure we're going to be taking today. Bones? Dynamite? Those sound like clues, Reading Bug. And wow, I can see that your book bag is especially full today. Want to tell us the titles of some of your books so we can guess where we might be adventuring with you? Absolutely. Let's see here. In my book bag, I brought... When Dinosaurs Came with Everything by Elise Broach, Dactyl Hill Squad by Daniel Jose Older, and Dinosaur Discoveries by Gail Gibbons. Oh, wow. Really, Reading Bug? Reader, do you know where our adventure will be taking us today? I think I do. I've also got Rex Rexit by Ben Clanton, How Do Dinosaurs Say Goodnight by Jane Yolen, and Magic Treehouse Fact Tracker, Dinosaurs by Will and Mary Osborne. It can't be. Can it? It's impossible, right? I can't believe that we could actually do it. But is our adventure taking us back in time to when dinosaurs were living on Earth millions and millions of years ago? Yes, Lauren, you're right. Today, with the help of my magic book bag and your imagination, of course, we'll all be going back in time to the age of the dinosaurs, also known as the Mesozoic Era. Today, we'll be seeing more than just dinosaur bones. We'll be learning about dinosaurs by going back in time and seeing them walking, eating, playing, fighting, and more. It's going to be T-Rex-erific! I said, shh. Wait, what did you just say, little coccinella? Did you say you'd be visiting dinosaurs in the Mesozoic era? No, you couldn't have said that, could you? Oh, but she did. 
Every week, the reading bug takes us on an amazing adventure in her book bag. We've visited all sorts of incredible places. The Wild West, the ocean, the moon. Hi, I'm Lauren, and this is my friend the reading bug and our reader friend. The moon? Yes! Oh, wow. Then it's true. You really will be traveling to the Mesozoic era to see real, live dinosaurs? That's right! Oh, forgive me. My name is Dr. Mark Patel, and I am a paleontologist right here at the Museum of Natural History. Right now, I'm piecing together the fossils of a partial Spinosaurus jaw. I've spent my entire life studying dinosaur bones and artifacts, but seeing a real live dinosaur roaming the earth would be a dream come true. Well then, Dr. Patel, you're talking to the right coccinella. That's the scientific name for ladybug, if you were wondering, reader. Would you like to join us? Lauren, reading bug, reader, it would be an absolute honor to join your expedition, if you'll have me. Of course you can join us. Besides, it will be really helpful to have someone who knows a lot about dinosaurs, in case we get into trouble. Welcome to the team, Dr. Patel. Oh, thank you, thank you. I still can't believe this is possible, but I'm excited to give it a try. Dr. Patel, can you tell us what a paleontologist does? I've never met a paleontologist before. Of course, Lauren, and thank you for asking. Paleontologists like me study fossils to try to figure out what they can tell us about the history of the Earth. For example, I study dinosaur fossils, like these ones here, to learn more about what the world was like during the Mesozoic era and what the dinosaurs who lived back then were like. Dinosaurs roamed the planet for 177 million years, so there is a lot to study. Oh, so a paleontologist studies dinosaur bones. Not exactly, Lauren. Lots of people think that fossils and bones are the same thing, but it's actually more complicated than that. Imagine if a dinosaur died near a river or a stream, and as the river rose over time, the dinosaur's body was covered by mud and sand. Well, over millions of years, that mud and sand turned into solid rock, but the dinosaur bones are still inside. Meanwhile, water may have seeped into the dinosaur bones, and the minerals in the water turn the bones into stone too. So a fossil is really a rock that used to be a bone that is buried inside another rock that used to be mud and sand. Very good, reading bug. It looks like we may have an aspiring paleontologist on our hands. Thanks. I read a lot. Listen, I've been studying dinosaur fossils for years, and I love what I do. But my work is often slow, tedious, and quiet. When I am not in the museum, I'm outside, in the field, looking for dinosaur fossils. Out there, I take pictures of the fossils at the site, and I collect rock samples and broken fossil pieces. Then I write notes in a field notebook, like this one, to keep a record of what I find and where I found it. Oh, wow. On our adventures, we like to keep track of the things we've seen and done, too. We do it by drawing pictures or illustrations, just like the ones we find in our favorite books. The pictures help us remember and retell the adventures to our friends and family once we return. For example, at the end of our adventure today, we'll take time to listen to music and draw the pictures that are in our imaginations so we don't forget them. But we can draw anytime, whenever something interesting, amazing, or important pops up in our imaginations. Reader, did you remember your crayons and paper? If not, don't worry. You can pause and get them now. 
or wait until the end of the adventure. If you'd like to pause, the reading bug and I will wait right here for you. I'm very impressed. The reason you draw illustrations are the same reasons I take notes and photographs, to remember what I've seen and retell it to my friends and colleagues. You'll make excellent paleontologists today. We heard one of the guides at the museum saying that dinosaur means fearfully great lizard. So, while today's adventure is certainly going to be amazing, it's not without danger. We're lucky to have a real paleontologist like you with us here, Dr. Patel. Thank you. I've got a few items here that should help us on our trip. First, I've got pith helmets for everyone. These are hard, rounded helmets that are made of a lightweight material that look a lot like the hat that you're wearing, Reading Bug. We wore pith helmets on our African picture safari. Remember, Reader? Pith helmets protect our faces and necks from the sun. That's important because it was much hotter during the age of dinosaurs than it is today. I've also got sunglasses, water bottles, and binoculars, as well as umbrellas. Paleontologists like me believe that the climate during the Mesozoic era was warm and tropical. If I'm right, it's likely that it will rain at some point during our adventure. Oh, wow. I'm excited and nervous about this adventure. How about you, reader? I can't wait to get started. But before we go, let's stretch and get ready for the excitement that awaits. Great idea, Lauren. Dinosaurs are big and they may look awkward, but paleontologists believe that many of the meat-eating dinosaurs could run faster than the fastest human runners today. So it's important that we're warmed up and ready to run as fast as we can. Why don't we all stretch together, reader? That's it. Everybody stand up, unless you're buckled into your car, and wiggle your fingers and toes. Are you wiggling? Great. Now, stretch your arms up high over your head. Perfect. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, let's get ready to go. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, now we're ready to go. Oh, yeah. Thanks for those stretches, Lauren. That little bit of exercise really helped me wake up and feel ready for our journey back in time. I have been hunched over these fossils for such a long time, I was beginning to feel like an I'm so saurus. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, just a bit of paleontologist humor. Ha. Like I said, I work alone a lot. <laughs> well, after those stretches, I hope that you're all ready to explore asauruses now. Nicely done, Lauren. And, if you brought them, keep your paper and crayons close by. When we see different types of dinosaurs, you might want to draw them to remember what they looked like. Reader, did you know that even though most illustrations of dinosaurs show them as green or brown, no one knows for sure what colors they were because no person has ever seen a dinosaur. My books say that many scientists think that dinosaurs may have been as colorful as today's lizards and snakes, and they come in lots of bright colors and patterns. So feel free to use lots of crayon colors in your illustrations. You're right, Reading Bug. For example, the American five-lined skink lizard has a brilliant blue-colored tail and five yellow lines on its body. And crested geckos can be gray, red, brown, and yellow. There is even a leopard gecko that has spots just like a leopard's. 
Today, we're going to be the very first humans to show our friends and families what dinosaurs really looked like. Maybe they were pink or purple. They could have also been polka dotted or had rainbow stripes. I can't wait to see how they look in your illustrations. Okay, reader, are you ready to travel back to the Mesozoic era with us? Great, then let's get started. Look, the reading bug is opening up her book bag. It's growing bigger and bigger, big enough so that we'll all be able to fit inside. And there are hundreds of pictures swirling around in there. I see all kinds of dinosaurs, big ones, little ones, green ones, and look over there. I see a few pink ones whizzing by too. And oh my, there are tropical forests and giant colorful flowers. And over there, I see a giant volcano with lava flowing out of it. And I see a fiery ball. It looks like a meteor or an asteroid. Lauren, Dr. Patel, reader, are you ready to travel through the ages to a time we've only visited in book pages? When dinosaurs roared and pterodon soared? Well then, into my book bag please climb and we'll start on our trip to the land before time. Let's flap our bug wings and fly. Hop three times with me, then into my book bag. Here we go. One hop, two hops, three hops, we're in. Let's jump inside our book bag. What will we find there? Imaginations run away. What's in our book bag, our trusty book bag? What will we learn about today? Look what's happening, reader. As we move through time, everything around us is changing before our eyes. The buildings and streets are changing, and people are wearing funny old-fashioned clothes. But we're still moving backwards, and now there are no buildings at all. And the people are dressed in animal skins, sitting together around a fire. And just like that, there are no people at all. There are only animals roaming in packs through the open land all around us. And it seems to be getting colder and colder. The animals are bigger and hairier now. And the land is cold and desolate. Is this the Ice Age? I think it is, Lauren. This is incredible. And we're still going back in time. Look at my watch. It's going backwards. That's right, Dr. Patel. That's how we know the book bag is working when we travel back in time. Isn't it, reader? <gasps> what was that? Something created a tremendous blast, leaving smoke, ash, and dust everywhere. I can't see anything. Can you? Wait, look. Miracle of miracles. The cloud of ash is gone. The land, it looks warm and fertile again. And I think I see dinosaurs. Look. There are so many different kinds, shapes, sizes, and colors. And look, I see beautiful green fields of grass, verdant tropical forests, rivers, lakes, and oceans. I can't wait to start exploring. Reader, Dr. Patel, I think we've arrived. The lights and pictures have stopped flashing, and the quiet bustle and sounds of the museum outside have been replaced with a cacophony of different sounds and noises. Listen, reader, in the distance, I hear explosions and a continuous roar. Can you hear that? What could that be? Those must be volcanoes. 
there were a lot of active volcanoes and earthquakes during the Mesozoic era. For a long time, paleontologists like me believed that dinosaurs may have become extinct because of falling sea levels and increasing volcanic eruptions. Oh my, we'll need to steer clear of those volcanoes for sure then. Listen, I hear a chirping, clicking, squeaking, and squawking all around us. Yes, yes, it sounds like a rainforest. We were right. I really can't believe we're here to see all of this in person. However, as much as I want to jump out of this bag and start exploring, I want to remind everyone that it's going to be extremely hot and humid outside. So before we go, let's all put on our pith helmets and sunglasses. Don't forget your water and take your umbrellas with you too. Great job. Now, let's slowly and quietly exit the book bag and be on the lookout for dangerous animals. Oh, wow. Look at this place. Reader, it looks like we've landed in a small meadow filled with enormous colorful flowers and grass is almost as tall as we are. And just down the slope in front of us is a massive rushing river, almost overflowing its banks. I didn't know there were flowers in the age of dinosaurs, did you? They are big and beautiful. Pink, violet, yellow, white, orange, all the colors of the rainbow. <laughs> and they smell incredible. Oh, and just behind us is a dense tropical forest with magnificent tall trees crowded together to protect the plants and the animals inside. And all around us in the distance are large mountains rising up out of the valley. Wow, look. Smoke is pouring from the tops of a few of the mountains, clouding the air around with thick gray smoke. Those must be the volcanoes Dr. Patel was describing. Yes, I can even see lava flowing down the side of the nearest volcano, over there on our left, see? I simply can't believe it. This is stunning, just as I imagined. Look, here's a tree that looks like a palm tree. That's a leptocycus. And over there, I see some stubby fern-like plants known as gymnosperms, a tasty treat for plant-eating dinosaurs. I've only ever seen them as fossils, and they're so much more magnificent in person than I ever imagined. Oh, look over there. Dr. Patel, stay close, please. We don't want to get separated from one another. Yes, yes, of course. So far, reader, we've been able to see plenty of prehistoric plants but I don't see any dinosaurs or other animals for that matter, do you? Wait, what's that? If you look carefully, right where the meadow turns into rainforest, I can see some small creatures skittering through the meadow. Do you see them? But those don't look like dinosaurs. They almost look like mice or squirrels or rats, don't they, reader? If I could just collect a specimen. Uh, Dr. Patel, remember, no running off. Right. Right, right. Lauren, reader, we must have traveled back in time to the Cretaceous period, which was between 65 and 125 million years ago. The Cretaceous period was the last and longest segment of the Mesozoic era. In the Magic School Bus in the Time of Dinosaurs, it says that during the Cretaceous period, the weather was getting a little bit cooler, so flowering plants and trees, like the ones all around us, were beginning to appear. 
And that's also a time where small mammals, like the ones you just saw, would have been abundant. You sure have learned a lot from all your books, Reading Bug. Dr. Patel, can you tell us more about the Cretaceous period and all the other plants and animals we might see here? Dr. Patel? Dr. Patel? Oh no. Reader, where is Dr. Patel? I don't see him anywhere. I think he's run off looking for more specimens again. Oh no. I sure hope he hasn't gotten lost, or worse, been trampled by a triceratops, or eaten by a T-Rex. Dr. Patel? Dr. Patel! Lauren, look! I see Dr. Patel way over there, down by the bank of the river. See him? Oh no, wait. Stay perfectly still. Is that what I think it is? Look, there's a dinosaur about 20 feet away from Dr. Patel, right at the water's edge. Do you see him, reader? He has two big, strong legs that he's standing on, and two much smaller ones that look like arms held out in front of him. He has a big head and a very long tail that's dragging behind him on the ground. Lauren, reader, I've seen lots of illustrations of a dinosaur that look like that. I think that's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The T-Rex is a meat-eating dinosaur and is thought to have had the most vicious bite of any dinosaur. In other words, Dr. Battelle is in real danger. But look, reading bug, that dinosaur isn't that large. He's not even half as tall as Dr. Patel. I think that dinosaur is much too little to be a T-Rex, isn't he? He may be small, but a baby T-Rex is still a carnivore, which means he eats meat and lots of it in order to grow to full size. No matter the dinosaur's size, I think Dr. Patel is in terrible danger. We have to warn him. Dr. Patel, what are you doing over there? I told you not to get separated from the group and watch out. There's a Tyrannosaurus Rex just ahead of you by the water's edge. And he's looking right at you. Move away now, or I'm afraid you're going to become his lunch. <laughs> oh no, Lauren. I'm in no danger. I was just making a new friend. He's perfectly safe. Let me introduce you to Albert. Albert? Yes. Quickly, come over here. Should we go? Well, Dr. Patel says it's safe, and he is the expert. Come on. Lauren, reading bug, reader, say hello to Albert. Albert is an Alberto Dromaeus, and I'm in no danger at all because Alberto Dromaeus are herbivores or plant eaters. They have no interest in eating other animals like you and me. You can see that Albert has powerful legs like a T-Rex that allow him to run very fast. But it is easy for a paleontologist like me to tell he's not a meat eater because he has a short pointed beak, just like his larger relatives, the duck-billed dinosaurs, all of whom are herbivores. Phew, that's a relief. <laughs> if you could pry open Albert's mouth, which I do not recommend, you would see that his teeth are short and flat. Definitely not the sharp teeth that a T-Rex has to gobble up other animals. So Albert isn't looking to eat any of us. He's just checking us out to make sure we're not predators that might try to eat him. I think I've got him convinced that I'm a friend. Watch, I think he'll even let me pet him. Incredible! Oh, wow! Can you hear Albert? It almost sounds like he's purring. Doesn't it? I'm patting his head, and he is happy as can be. Good boy, Albert. 
Wow, he is pretty cute, Dr. Patel, and much cuter now that I know he doesn't want to eat us. Good boy, Albert. Look again, reader. When I try to stop patting him, he bumps his head against my hand, just like a puppy might, until I start patting him again. <laughs> and now he's running around us in circles, just like an excited puppy with the case of the zoomies. Easy, boy. Oh, my. Look, just across the river there. Can you see them? I can see even more dinosaurs starting to emerge from the river and the forest behind it. Oh, yes. Reader, look across the river on our right. See that enormous dinosaur heading toward the water? It looks very different from Albert. Not only is it walking on four legs instead of two, but it also has three large horns on its head, two on top and one on the end of its nose. I think I know that one's name. There's a picture of him in Dinosaur Discoveries by Gail Gibbons. His name is Triceratops, which means three-horned face. Am I right, Dr. Patel? Yes. Very good, Reading Bug. Thank you! Triceratops are nearly 30 feet long and have the biggest head of all the dinosaurs. See? Reader, look through your binoculars. Do you see the Triceratops' giant head? I've read that an elephant, the largest land animal in present day, weighs only about half as much as a Triceratops does. And look, there are more Triceratops falling behind the first one. Paleontologists have theorized that Triceratops were social animals that lived in herds, but were the first people to be able to confirm that they really did. Lucky for us, Triceratops are plant eaters like Albert. Aw, those Triceratops are just big, or should I say, huge softies. As huge as they are, Triceratops are small compared to some of the other dinosaurs. My book says that the biggest dinosaurs were plant eaters, and that the biggest plant eaters were once called sauropods. Right you are. My colleagues have found sauropod footprints that are as big as monster truck tires, which makes them think that the biggest ones may have been over 150 feet long. That's as big as six yellow school buses lined up in a row. Dr. Patel, if Triceratops are plant eaters, why do they have those mean-looking horns? I suspect that Triceratops are pretty fierce fighters. Even plant eaters need to protect themselves from other dinosaurs that might want to eat them. Why don't we hide in the tall grass here to make sure we're not seen? Great. Now we can see the dinosaurs, but they can't see us. Why, look at that. Just there to our left. Yes, I see it. It's a giant dinosaur, more than 10 feet tall. That's about as tall as two of me. She has a tiny little head and a massive body behind that. And unlike Albert, she's walking on four legs toward the water. Two strong, large back legs and two smaller front ones. Her tail is extremely long, but it's not dragging on the ground. It's sticking out straight behind her large round body instead. And on the top of her head is an enormous crest. Do you see it? It looks kind of like a single horn coming right out of the top of her head and sticking up into the air. Ooh, ooh, I think I know that dinosaur. Let me see if I can remember. I think it's called a Parasaurolophus. Yes, that's it. She is pretty tall, isn't she? But the Triceratops don't seem frightened at all. Maybe she's a plant eater too. Great observation. Reader, listen. 
Do you hear that trumpeting noise? It sounds a bit like elephants when they call to each other, doesn't it? Oh, wow, yes. In Dinosaur Discoveries, it says that paleontologists believe that the crests on the heads of some dinosaurs, like the Parasaurolophus, were hollow and connected to tubes inside their noses. And when they blew air through those tubes, they could have made trumpeting sounds to call one another. That Parasaurolophus must be calling out to the other dinosaurs. But why? It looks like she's calling for all of her friends to join her. Look, reader, even more dinosaurs are coming from the trees to join her by the river. What were they called again? Parasaurolophus? That's right. She must be using her voice to speak to the rest of her group and tell them that the coast is clear and there are no predators or enemies around. Incredible. Watch them all drinking from the water, reader. Can you believe we're seeing this? I can't wait to draw a picture of this. The beautiful green grass and trees, the swampy river and the forest in the background, and the gigantic volcanoes that are even further away. I sure am glad they're far away, since it looks like some of them are active, with lava flowing out of the tops. The dinosaurs are incredible, too. I love little Albert, of course. And the big Parasaurolophus is magnificent. But I think the mighty Triceratops are my favorite. Uh-oh. Reader, look, it's beginning to rain. Um, Dr. Patel, should we go find a drier spot? And miss seeing these magnificent creatures? No way! Remember, the Mesozoic era is tropical, which means we can expect a lot more rain. It's also why we brought umbrellas. Pop your umbrella open and we'll be just fine. Okay, reader, you heard Dr. Patel. Get your umbrella out and pop it open now. Great, that is much better. Lauren, reader, look what's happening. All the dinosaurs, the Triceratops, the Parasaurolophus, and the others are quickly running back into the thick trees of the rainforest. Do you think our umbrellas scared them away? They sure are moving quickly. No, no, I'm certain it couldn't have been our umbrellas. I don't think those dinosaurs have noticed us at all yet. It must be something else. What's that noise? Well, the dinosaurs weren't spooked at all when other herbivores were nearby. So, do you think, maybe, there's a carnivore approaching? I'm afraid you might be right, Lauren. I'm not sure what's making that sound, but it sure sounds big and unhappy, and I really don't want to stick around here to find out. Why don't we take cover in the trees so we're not spotted? Albert, here, boy. Let's go! Wait! Dr. Patel, what's wrong with Albert? He looks like he's trying to come with us, but he's not moving anywhere. Albert! Albert! Come on! You can do it! Let's go, boy! We've all got to hide! Oh, no. Look, reader. It looks like Albert is stuck in the mud of the riverbank. The mud around him is nearly up to his knees, and the more he struggles, the deeper he is sinking. And the rain is making things much worse for him, too. Lauren, reader, Dr. Patel, we need to rescue Albert, or whatever dinosaur is making that loud noise may have an Albert-sized snack for lunch today. You're right, reading bug. We need to help Albert, but how will we rescue him without getting sucked into the mud, too? Or becoming some carnivore's lunch. Reader, we need your help. 
Let's think of all the ways we might be able to rescue Albert from the mud and whatever predator is approaching on the other side of the river. I'm going to pause our adventure right here. So, let's all use our brains and our imaginations to think of a solution together. Because when you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could write a book or fly a plane. Build a house with a giant crane. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can see it through just by being you. While you think about our options to free Albert and escape whatever dinosaur is making that awful noise, I'll play a bit of music while you draw your illustrations. What part of our adventure so far will you draw? Maybe you want to draw a picture of a triceratops or a hadrosaur. Or maybe you'll draw Albert and Dr. Patel. If you're really ambitious, maybe you'll want to imagine what sort of carnivore is headed our way. Remember, you can use as many colors as you want when drawing your dinosaur illustrations. When you've finished your illustrations, share them with us on social media. And if you want to read more about dinosaurs while you wait for part two of our adventure, check out the books in the Reading Bugs book bag at thereadingbug.com adventures. Our coloring music will play in a few seconds. Thanks for adventuring with us today, and we'll see you next time. It's a Reading Bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations too. The Reading Bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Okay, it's time to get out your crayons and paper. And while you color, we have a few people to thank. Today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures was sponsored by Familius and their new book, The Little Eye Who Lost His Dot by Kimberly Gard. Wait, Lord! Did you say The Little Eye Who Lost His Dot? I just read that book, and I loved it! It's more than just a super fun story. It teaches capitalization with really silly cartoon letters. I giggled all the way through it. Me too, Reading Bug. I read this to my soon-to-be second grader last night. It's perfect for kids who may be heading back to school and are learning and growing their writing skills. And the illustrations by Sandy Sonke are incredible, too. The characters are fun, and the artwork is colorful and energetic. All of us at The Reading Bug recommend it as a great read for kids of every age, but especially ages 4 to 8. I can't wait for the next one in the series. Get The Little Eye Who Lost His Dot by Kimberly Gard at your local independent bookstore or at thereadingbug.com. Familius, helping families be happy. Thanks to all of our individual sponsors as well. If you're interested in becoming a patron, visit our page at patreon.com and learn about how you can support Reading Bug Adventures and get exclusive music downloads, content, goodies, and more. Thank you for listening to Reading Bug Adventures. I'm Lauren Savage, and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me, Chloe Savage, and our special guest, Dr. Aaron Nafak, with original music by me, Ross Gruet, and Alexa Thanos. Sound mixing and mastery was done by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is a family-owned independent bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com and our personalized subscription box service at readingbugbox.com. 
And please support passion, expertise, and creativity in children's literature by continuing to shop with us or other local independent booksellers. Thank you.
Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.